Good morning. It's good to see you all. Happy New Year, New Year's Eve. Uh, the best, best way to end the year is together with the people of God um, in worship to Him and thinking about and considering what God would ask of us in our lives. Uh, we have been in a series the last seven weeks called The Coming King. And this is uh, something, if you haven't been here, you can go back and listen. We also have a devotional that accompanies the series that's on uh, lhbc.net slash the hope. And if you haven't done any of those, the good news is you didn't have to. You could do them the next seven weeks. Like, it's two a week, but it just gets you in the Word and sort of walks us through this story of the coming King from Genesis to Revelation. As we reach the end of the sermon series this week, we're going to look forward to the King coming Uh, in his kingdom, the coming kingdom. And this time, this is not just him coming as a baby, as we discussed last week, but fully in his kingdom, in his glory, for us to live with him forever. And this morning, we're going to look at a king who is coming again, and we're going to consider the life beyond this life, our home with him. So whenever I was um, about five years old, okay, maybe four or five, somewhere in that age, um, old enough that I, I sort of knew what I should do and shouldn't do. Um, we go to the grocery store, and we had, I grew up in West Virginia. That's why I, I speak the way I do, okay? Um, and so um, I, I've tied these shoes once, and I just slip them in. Um, so, um, I, so, hey, I didn't see them. Hey, y'all, that's good to see. Sorry, two of my former students are here, and they just caught my eye. That was awesome. Um, okay, so I grew up, and we had a little country store, okay? And so at our little country, it was called an IGA. Anyone ever heard of IGA? All right. Wow. All right, we got responses this morning. That's good. I'm feeling good. So go to IGA, and at, at our IGA, they wrap their own cheese. So they, you know, the, the, they would do it there. They would wrap it in whatever plastic wrap. They wrap it in and put a price on it, and you'd buy it. And so we're walking. We're shopping. It's my mom and my dad. And um, we get to the cheese, and there is a block of cheese that has, someone has taken a bite out of. And my mom says, who would do that? And my dad says, Jacob. <laughs> and look over to Jacob going, right? And so then my dad grabs the cheese and grabs me. <laughs> and we go up to the front, and he puts the cheese down. And uh, our, the owner of the store's name was Tommy. Tommy said, oh, Charlie, it's okay. It, uh, you know, it, it happens all the time. People do this all the time. And my dad says, not my son. I'm paying for the cheese. He pays for the cheese. We get home. Uh, and I get, I'm sure I get a swat. I get grounded. Um, stuff that just happened all the time. It's a kid growing up uh, who was mischievous. And, um, uh, and then, you know, and that was sort of the end of that story, right? And I'll say of another time, uh, you know, fast forward a couple years later. And I remember there was a day that was cold. And my mom sent me to school, and she decided to uh, have me wear two shirts. Okay, this is never a, a good idea for a kid um, like me. And so I've never been diagnosed with anything, but mainly because uh, we grew up in a time where it really didn't, you know, do it as much. But um, a kid like me with two shirts is just like an opportunity. And so um, my outer shirt was sort of like a sweater, and my inner shirt was uh, probably more of like a T-shirt or long sleeve shirt. So I take the sweater off at some point during the day, and I'm sitting in second grade, and I'm not being as entertained as I would like. And so I think, you know what would be great? It would be great if I take this sweater and ball it up and put it inside my shirt and then start screaming I'm pregnant for the whole class, right? My mom was also a teacher at this school. 
And so what resulted was the teacher takes me out in the hallway and then goes and knocks on my mom's door. How's my mom? And, um, you know, and my mom, oh, you know, Jacob, no son of mine should wait till we get home and we tell your father, right? And I'm sure, I'm sure I probably got a swat and got grounded, and, right? And, and just the things that just happened, and I was good and okay. And, and, and there were more and more of these stories. But why did my dad care so much? Why did my dad care so much when I would do these silly things at how, because my dad knew it reflected, the way I lived reflected where I came from. And that concerned my dad. My dad wanted to make sure that as he was leading me as his son, that the way I was going to live was reflecting the values, reflecting his name well in the way that I was going to live. Now, some of you heard me say SWAT, and you're like, oh, this poor child. Okay, no, okay, I was, I was not abused. I was, not, I, was, I was corrected in a biblical way. And I'm, I'm okay with it. And some of you have been corrected in an unbiblical way. And that's stuff that, that we, we believe and we pray for you. And, and we, want it, we want healing there, okay? But there is a correction that is biblical. And I had that in my life, okay? From a, a loving father, and a loving mother, and sometimes an angry father. Who would make sure that I was going to reflect him well? Here's, here's what I want to ask you this morning. As we're looking at the book of Revelation and the coming kingdom, okay? Here's my question for you. Does the way that you live your life reflect the kingdom that you belong to? Does the way that you live the life that you live reflect the kingdom that you claim is yours? Because our life should reflect the home that we belong to. And so we're going to look at that. Now, we're in Revelation. That might be scary for some people. I know Revelation. I grew up in a time that, like, the Left Behind series was on and, like, everything was end of times and are you post-millennial, all-millennial, and all these different things. And everyone was figuring out and there were charts on the wall. We're going to show you the chart and this is exactly how it's going to happen. That's not what this sermon is, okay? What this sermon is is a chance for us to look at not just uh, there's a lot in Revelation that's good, but it's a, an, a, an a, a apocalyptic text, and so there's imagery in there and, and things that um, you have to study, and sort of we don't know some of exactly how it's going to happen. But in Revelation 21 and 22, it's pretty clear, and so we're going to look at that this morning and look at the coming kingdom and what it all looks like once the Lord has come back again and we enter into His kingdom. Many times when we think about heaven uh, and we talk about it, it's sort of at a funeral or, or at the end of life. And we see heaven as, as this comforting thing when, you know, times get so hard. Well, at least we have heaven to look forward to. And this morning I want to just say to you, heaven is not just meant to be your comfort. It's not to be the soft pillow that you lay on when life gets hard. Heaven is to be a reality. Heaven is an identity for those of us who are believers, Each and every day, we should look towards our home. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 that God put eternity in our hearts. In the New Testament, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians and Philippians, he talks about that our citizenship, where we truly belong, is in heaven. And that we should long to be there in Philippians 3 as well. And in John 14, Jesus, as he's preparing to go to the cross, as he's preparing to to die and be resurrected and then go into heaven, he says this, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. 
See, heaven is set in our hearts. Eternity is set inside of us. A place that believers should long to be. Why? Because it is our home. Because we're citizens there. And Christ left this earth so that he could prepare a place for us to come to. And he's going to come back and take us to be with him. And that was just five references of the over, over 700 references in Scripture to what heaven is going to be like. You know, I thought about this morning just grabbing a mic and saying, hey, when you think about heaven, what do you think about? And just passing the mic, right? But I was afraid that then we'd have to theologically handle some things because some of us believe some weird things about heaven. And all I want to say is that whatever you believe or whatever you think about heaven, we have to be careful that we don't comfort ourselves with things that aren't true, but instead we're comforted by the truth of what Scripture says. And so when we think about the life to come, it's important that we look at what Scripture says and we let that build what we know that it's going to be like. And so we're going to look at that this morning. So how did we get here? How did we get to the ending of this story that we've been walking through for seven weeks? It started in a garden and then we failed we, we, humanity failed to live up to God's standard. Humanity deserved sin and death. Humanity kept choosing sin, kept not choosing God. Humanity needed a savior. They got a savior. That savior then went and died on a cross and he was resurrected into heaven. And now we end the story being back into God's presence. Let's look back at the garden. We're going to start with Genesis 3, 22 and 24. This morning, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in your seats. There are not going to be a ton of scriptures up here. And um, part of that is because as I, this was a holiday week for so many of us, right? And so as we were working on a lot of this, for me, I was still working uh, this morning fine-tuning. And so I'm just going to let you know, we're in Genesis 3. And they may, as I announce these, they may throw a few up, but we'll see. Genesis 3, 22 through 24. Okay, and we're just going to read this, okay? This is after the fall, after man and uh, Adam and Eve listen to the serpent, they eat of the fruit. It says, behold, uh, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So God had created the world and placed a man and woman, created him in the image of God to live there and be in relationship with him. But God didn't place them there as robots. God placed them there with a will to choose. And they chose what we would choose. They chose sin and self when they were placed with the opportunity. They ate from the tree that they were told not to eat from, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And here's the thing, they already knew good because they knew God. They were created to know good because they knew God. But they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then they knew evil. And what is evil except the absence of God? It's what is darkness except the absence of light. They, they, they knew a way that no longer would please this God that they were designed to live under. They, they no longer would, would be able to please him and live in a way that was good. Good to him, and they chose that way, just as you and I would. And now God, in his grace, doesn't want them to be stuck in this condition of sinfulness and evil. And so what does he do? He has a conversation with himself. And in this, we see a, a beautiful picture here at the beginning of the, the, the triune God discussing something. He said, behold, the man has become like one of us. Us being Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in knowing good and evil. 
And so he's talking there to himself and he says, man knows what we know. He knows what is good. He knows what is evil. Man was created for good. He was created to, to choose the good, to enjoy the good. But now man has chosen evil. And I don't want humanity to be stuck in a world where they choose evil and there's an absence of God. And so the most loving thing I can do is kick them out of the garden. Can we just, this is just a side note. Did you know it's loving when God withholds things from you? Did you know it's loving sometimes that, that when the, whenever the Lord chastises those he loves, whenever the Lord puts up barricades and you say, God, but I really want that. And God says, no, 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 but you don't need that. You need me. And so I'm going to cut off this thing that you think you need or this thing that you think you want. Why? Because I want you to have me. And so that's what he does here. And so, and so then uh, he kicks them out of the garden in his grace and blocks their path to this other tree, the tree of life. And now because of sin and because of God's grace, the, the, the relationship has changed because of sin, but because of God's grace, he wants to restore that relationship. And in restoring the relationship, he makes them, biblically, we're, we're homeless here with Adam and Eve. They're no longer in a place that they can be home. And now they have to live in a place that wasn't designed for them to be home. Outside of the Garden of Eden and try to make it home. How many of us get stuck living this life and trying to make home in places that shouldn't be home? Let's just think about it this morning. How many of us have, get, have gotten caught up in things of this world that are not things of God and we try to make home in them? Wealth. We try to make home in our wealth, addiction. We try to make home in addiction. We try to make home in relationships of this earth that, that are not godly, that do not point to the Lord. We go, oh, let, let's make a home here. We make a home out of my job. We make a home out of these things in this world. When we weren't designed for this world, we were designed to be in a garden of goodness. We were designed to be fully with God and in God's presence. And, and so this story continues on from this point. We've looked at the journey of humanity over the past seven weeks. We've looked at how they've rejected God over and over and given in to their sin. And yet God has provided through his grace a path to repentance and forgiveness in Christ. Who came as a baby boy born in a manger. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. And he ascended into heaven. And there he, there he is today preparing a place for us. He's conquered sin and death. And now we are at the end of Revelation. And we're in chapters 21 and 22. And, and we're going to find what, what happens as this world has ended as with, we are with God in eternity. And so um, I want us to consider this this morning, okay? This, this might be the, the quickest sermon that you've ever heard me give, those of you who have been here before. And if it's your first Sunday, you're going to think, wow, this guy was... Yeah, praise God, okay? But I want us to consider these... I say that, watch. Now, here we go. Um, I want us to consider that heaven, for those of us who know Jesus, should be our reality. It should be something real to us. It's not just a story, and it's not just something that brings me comfort uh, whenever I'm feeling down. It's a reality of where I belong. And so because it's a reality, it should change. I should live in a way in this world based on the world that I'm a citizen of, okay? And even when I don't, I claim that citizenship, 
And I go, oh, oh I'm not living like I should, so I need more grace, and I need to, to move closer to you. Why, God? Because I want to I be like who I'm going to be. I want to be sanctified to the point that I'm ready to walk through those gates. Let's look at Revelation 21. We'll start with verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So in these first few verses, we see that heaven and earth have been made new. Not just better, but new. We see that the sea is no more. And the idea here of, of a sea, and this is just, you know, this is where we get imagery and things, but the sea is, to them, was something that was unpredictable. The sea could toss you around. The, the sea, if you were out on a boat, things could come up and it could utterly destroy you. Not only that, but early in Revelation, the beast comes up out of the sea. And when it's saying the sea is no more, it's like, hey, trouble is over. Trouble's over. Can you imagine those of you who are living paycheck to paycheck, can you imagine not worrying that the finances are going to get you? Those of you who work for people that are unrighteous, who have maybe been accused of things but because, and you haven't done anything but, but done what you believe is true and right, that no one's going to be out to get you. Those of us who are nervous when we send our kids to public school, trouble is no more. In a world that trouble is no more. Can you believe it? That, I mean, that right there. Let, I'm, let's worship. Like, I, I, my, my, my home is a place where trouble is no more. Man. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait for the trouble to be gone in this life. The things that we deal with and that we deal with in humanity. To know that it's no more there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, help us to press on. Help us to press on, Lord. So the, the trouble is gone, and then we have an image of New Jerusalem coming down. It said, as a bride, having been prepared for this day. This echoes back to what Jesus said in John. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And in Revelation 21, the place that is prepared is coming down for us. It's our home, the place that Jesus has prepared. Your home is the place Jesus is preparing for you. It's not the house you live in right now. It's not the city you live in. It's not everything that you have worked for your entire life. Your home is somewhere else when you're in Christ. So uh, I, I was thinking about this uh, whenever I was thinking about a home. Uh, the house that we, I've lived in a lot of houses, okay? Like, I, and that's not like we were counting. Elena, who is my oldest daughter, she's 12. Um, how many houses? Hold up fingers. Is it nine? You've lived in seven, okay, and we've lived in nine, Ash, maybe 11. Um, so in our, a lot, all right, like there's a lot. So, um, but this newest house that we live in, um, a new old house, um, is uh, we've been in it the longest, um, and we've been in it for five years, six years, six, six years, because Jack, Jack's only known one house, it's amazing. So I remember when we first went and saw this house, 
And this house was, they had enclosed a garage, and so it wrapped around, and so there was a door into the bedroom on both sides, so you could, the house could be, you could go in a circle in the house. And I remember that when the kids got there the first time, they just took off and running and giggling and running and giggling. And we're trying to talk to the realtor and here come our kids again and here come our kids again, right? Because it's this house that's a circle and they're just running and they're enjoying. And let me tell you something, this home that is being prepared for us that is coming down, we get to enjoy it. We get to be there and see it and be thrilled by it because it is a home that is prepared and made for us. Verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. God's dwelling place is no longer separate. He will be with us and we will be with him. The word dwell here is tabernacle. It looks back to the garden when God could freely walk among Adam and Eve and to the days of the tabernacle and the temple where God's presence would be in the midst of them, but he couldn't fully be with them. There was, there was a, a curtain that separated them. And when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was torn. And, and physically, we still can't be in the presence of God. But spiritually, we had the Holy Spirit. And all of this is leading to the new heaven and new earth where we will fully be in God's presence. God's presence and God's glory will be with humanity. Because he is our God and we are his people. He's our God. We're his people. We not me, we. Not just Living Hope, not just College Station, not just Texas, it's the church of all nations here that we see. All peoples together as one, as the people of God. That's my home. My home is a place of unity. My home is a place where we are united by Christ and that's stronger than anything that may divide us. Any personality, any denominational differences, anything that, uh, ethnicity, any of that that separates us. In Christ, we are united as one people. In Christ, he is our God. Made me think about what are, what are other gods that I have in this life? I started thinking about gods of addiction, gods of lust, gods of anger. Gods of selfishness. And you know the biggest God, little G God, that gets in my way? This God. This guy. This guy that decides what he wants. This guy that that decides when, when he wants to do what he wants to do. This guy that decides he can choose sin if he wants to choose sin. He can spend money however he wants to spend money. He can spend his time however he wants to spend his time. He can do whatever he wants to do because he works hard. And, and if he needs to rest and, and check out for a while, he can check out. He can do why because it's his time. And, he, and when he wants to serve at church, he'll serve. But if he doesn't want to serve, he doesn't. This guy. This guy's not the God in my home. This guy's not in charge in my home. You know who's in charge? God. The living God. The Lord. And so do I want to keep living in the way where this God keeps getting in the way, or do I want to live in a way that I let the God of my home lead me in my life? 
My home is a place where I dwell with believers, with different personalities, different denominations, one people with God being over us. My, God, my, my home is a place where the Lord is the ruler of my life. So do I live like that now? Am I practicing that now? I mean, I believe that once we are saved, this life is nothing more than heaven practice. Like once, once we know Jesus is our Lord, we get to start living away. It, it's true. You don't have freedom in, in my, my belief is this. You don't have freedom until you come to know Jesus. Because when you're in sin, the only thing you're free to choose is sin. The, everything that you do is sinful outside of the Lord. And so when, without Jesus, you don't have, in Jesus, you have freedom for the first time to not choose sin and to choose the good once again. And so choosing the good is heaven practice because all heaven is going to be is good. So do I live in a good way now about being united as the people of God? Think about in this body. Are there people in here that we go to church with that you're divided against and you don't want to unite with them? You don't want to talk about. You would rather be right than be restored. Are there people in another church? Are there people down the street? Are there people in their neighborhood who love the Lord, who love Jesus, and you go, no, whatever you did is too big of a wrong that Jesus can't fix? In heaven, it's not going to be that way, guys. We're going to be one, united. Why? Because God's that good. And what he does to bring us together is stronger than anything we can do. Tear us apart. Think about that. Think about with denominations. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that people who are unbiblical. I'm saying other denominations that may believe slightly about not the core things than you. And you just go, well, they're fully wrong and I'm fully right. You know how foolish that is? Can we unite? Think about people of other ethnicities. People from diverse backgrounds that aren't like you. That maybe you choose to be separate from. Not going to be able to do that in heaven. Let me ask you this. Do you uh, live with the truth that no matter what little God is in, is in your life, that your faith is ultimately in the one true God? And so because, you're, because he is your God, when those little gods, the God of self, the God of sin, the God of addiction, when those little things come up, do you just bow to those gods or do you remind them, even in the midst of a battle, even when you're, you've de- been defeated, even when, that, that they're not your God, they don't get the end of the story. We are in the middle of the battle right now. We're in the middle of the story right now. And because we are in the middle, we don't have to bow down and go, oh, my life is ruined. Oh, I chose sin again. Oh, I'm defeated. I'm a, I'm a worthless person. All of those things are true. We don't in there we go but oh god is good and god gets the victory and that god is inside of me so i want to learn to live like that god leads me to live i don't want to live in a way that i have to be defeated all the time even when i've been beat up in a battle i want to walk with victory why because he is my god and i am one of his people it says then god will wipe away every tear and death will be ended This is the complete reversal from Genesis 3. Death through the consequence and curse of sin is done away with. Sin is done away with. God has completed the journey that leads humanity back to him. And mourning and crying and pain will be gone. Anxiety will be gone. The hurt will be gone. The heartbreak will be gone. See, when this world and its cares try to weigh me down, I hold on to the assurance of the life to come. 
I hold on to my true home. Why? Because the tears will end and the heartbreak will end and death is over and the fear of death is over. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, uh, where is your victory? Death is done. Death is swallowed up. The pain of it is over. That's my home. That's where I belong. It's where you belong if you know Jesus this morning. And we hold on to that and we believe, but do you? Do you believe that? Do you believe or is your life and the worries and cares of this life drowning out the life to come? When we mourn, when life hurts, when things are hard, when our anxiety kicks up, do we push ourselves beyond this moment and seek peace, knowing that our true home has no tears and has no death? I think some of us, Satan has got us to accept that heartbreak and hurt is a life sentence. I think some of us think that the hurts and the challenges of this life are a life sentence that we can't get out of them. And I got to tell you this morning, again, you're in the midst of a journey. You're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of the battle right now. This is not the end. And so even if you feel like there's an end happening in your life, that you, something's too big, there's no way I could get out of this, and the hurt is too strong, and I don't know how to get away with this, and the anxiety is too much, can I just tell you, you're in the middle of it, not the end. The end ends with a Savior in glory. The end ends with no tears and no heartbreak and no hurt. And so if nothing else this morning, if you don't know what else to hold on to, hold on to that truth that the place you truly belong is a place with no tears and no death, no heartbreak. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his, names will, his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, and the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Revelation 22, we see more of what heaven's like. There's a river of the water of life coming through the throne of God, and it comes right through the middle of the street. Like anybody who likes to play in puddles? Anybody? Nobody? You guys? Are, oh, there we go. Thank you, sir. All right, right? I'm with you. Okay, I still like, I still like to jump in some puddles, right? Jumping in the river right in the middle of the street, right? We're going to be dancing in the street. There we go. All right, so it's going to be good. Okay, that, wow, that joke would have killed 20 years ago. All right, 30 years ago. Okay, so... Um, Here we go. We've got this river flowing through the middle of the street, and we have this tree of life, and it says it's on both sides of the river. And so there's this beautiful imagery of this tree of life. What tree of life? The tree of life that was not good for us, that we had to be cut off from. The Lord said, I'm going to show you how I get you back to the tree of life. And this is not a, a, a quick journey. This is a long journey. This is why it's so important for us to remember this morning, we are in the middle of it. We're in the middle. I, I Just the other day, I had one of my former students tell me that she was so happy that, that we, were, we, we all got together and hung out. And she was able to see some people and hang out with some people that hadn't in a long time and some relationships began to be restored. And, and three years ago, those relationships looked like they couldn't be restored because the hurt was too strong, because there was too much going on. But slowly, it can be restored. Why? Because we're in the middle of things. 
The tree of life took from the beginning of time to beyond where we are right now because we're in the middle of it. But the middle of it is the place that leads us back to the place we were, where we need to be. And that place is with God. And there is the tree of life. And there we are with it. And so the tree of life um, is there and we have access to it. And, and it says sin is no more. It, it talks about the, the, the tree that's yielding its fruit each month. It's for the healing of the nations. And that's a whole thing, but it's a healing tree. That's what you need to know. There is health coming from this tree for the people of God. And then the sin is done away with, and, and the servants are going to worship him, and, and they're going to see his face, and you couldn't see God's face. In the Old Testament, he told Moses, if you see my face, you're going to die, but we can see his face. Why? Because death is no more. We can see it all, and we can have this life that the Lord wants us to have. And there's no night. Why? Because there's no absence of light anymore. There's only light. And we'll be with him and reign forever and ever. Whew. There's so much in this. Uh, I was talking to Howard earlier. It's like there's so much, like the name on the forehead, and this goes back to X. Like there's so many things throughout the Bible he wants you to see. The name on the forehead goes back to the high priest in Exodus, and on their forehead had holy is the Lord because they could offer priestly worship. And so now we offer priestly worship in this place. But that's our home. It's a place to serve, a place to worship, a place where sin is done. And in case you're wondering what we'll do there, because I know sometimes with our ideas, people are like, I don't want to just lay on a cloud and play a harp. I'm like, I mean, that sounds pretty cool, okay? Um, laying on a cloud. But I don't think that, you know, I don't read that either. I don't want to do that either. I want to do what God wants us to do. If God wants me, if, if he says, hey, Here's how you're going to serve and worship me. Jump on that cloud and play that harp. And I'm like, no lessons. He's like, it's heaven. You're good. All right? And so they're like, I'm like a savant in heaven. Like, that's great, right? But what it looks like is we're going to serve him. We're going to be his servants there. We're going to reign with him forever and ever. We're going to worship him. Heaven is not just sitting and being lazy. Heaven is being active in serving and worshiping God. So let me ask you, are you serving now? Do you serve the Lord now? However imperfectly do you serve now, preparing to serve there. Why? Because verse 12 talks about, uh, in Revelation 22, it says, but Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. See, even in Revelation, it talks about this idea of obedience. Even in Revelation, it talks about this idea of there is stuff to be done. Are you doing what needs to be done for the Lord? Are you serving something else? Are you serving your job? Are you serving your family? Are you serving good things above serving the God thing? And is there anything wrong with serving family? No, but if I'm serving my family above serving the Lord, yes. If, if I'm making altars out of anything in this life, yes. Or am I serving God and saying, hey, my life is to be in service. So wherever I need to serve in the body, I want to serve in the body. Wherever I need to serve in the world, when I'm at my job, I want to be at my job not to do a good job just for my boss. I want to be at my job to say, Lord, what do you want to do here? Because I want to serve you. Our obedience matters. We, it even talks about it in verse 14. It talks about those who wash their robes are the ones who can enter the gates and have the right to the tree of life. What? Who is that? Somebody call me? Oh, it's not me. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, it talks about verse 14. Anyone who washes their robes 
have the right to the tree of life. And I thought, well, that's interesting. What does that mean? Because earlier in Revelation 7, it talked about being washed and being made white by the blood of the Lamb. That's not what it's talking about here. It's saying whoever in this life washes their robes, that washes is in the present tense. And so what it means is whoever continually washes their robes has the right to enter the gates and to eat of the tree of life. That means in this life, it's not about just praying one time. It's about living a life where I repent and I obey. And when I fail, I repent and I obey. And when I fail, I continue to rely on the grace of God and the power of God and the blood of Jesus in order for me to serve God in this life. So this morning, are you standing on your own efforts? Are you standing on your own knowledge? Are you standing on your own way? At least I know I'm right. Even when other people confront me, I don't listen to them because I know that I'm right. And I'm standing on myself. Or are we standing on the truth of God's word? Are we standing arm in arm with brothers and sisters? And when we fail, do we pray and fall on our knees and look at our sinfulness and say, Lord, I need you. God, I repent again. Let your blood wash over my sin once again. Lord, help me once again. Let your spirit guide the steps of my life. I don't want to just be a one-time prayer person and then just do everything on my own. I want to constantly be in prayer, constantly be in repentance, constantly learn to obey. I want to wash my robe and wash my robe. Why? Because I want to enter into those gates and I want to eat of that tree because I know that you are coming back and you're going to give everyone according to what they're due. And I want what, what, what I'm due is to be your grace and your presence and your glory. Why? Because I kept calling on you. Because I kept seeking after you. I kept repenting. I built my life on you. So, um, do you serve the Lord now? Do you serve the Lord? I don't want to be like those in Revelation 21, 8, 22, 15. He says, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, the liars. Their portion is going to be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is a second death. 22.15, he said, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I don't want that to be me. But it is. And in this life, it still is. And when it is, I fall on my face and I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, heal me once again. Forgive me once again. I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to have idols. I don't want to be sexually immoral. Heal me once again. Teach me to live like where I'm from. Not only will we be servants, but we're going to be worshipers. Some of you don't like worship. Some of you, when the worship music goes, you just stand. You don't like to sing and praise the Lord. Let me just tell you, not going to have an option. All right, it's not going to be like, oh, sorry, Lord, I don't sing. And he's like, right, like you're like, and then you're going to, oh, this is worship, right? Like, sorry, Lord, I don't worship. But worship isn't just songs. In, in Revelation, it is songs. So, you know, it, 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 be ready, okay? You, there is singing. So even right now, if you're like, well, I don't like the way my voice sounds, that's okay. The Lord loves you. And like, I may not like how your voice sounds either, but the Lord does. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for him. And so we learn to worship in song, but not just worshiping in song. See, worship is also a lifestyle. Romans 12 tells us that says it's laying my life down every single day in order to what? In order for the Lord to use me. As a, I want to be an acceptable offering of worship. I, I want my living sacrifice, the way that I live as a sacrifice. So it's, I don't want it to be about me. And so worship is not just the songs I sing. Some of us sing really loud and we leave out of here and we do whatever the heck we want. Oh no, yeah, I'm a loud singer. I'll raise my hands, I'll clap, I'll do everything. And then I get out there in the world and I do whatever I want. I'm, I'm also not, I'm not worshiping that way either. 
See, worship, y'all got quiet on that one, right? Amen. Me too, me too. I do, I, I, I look at myself in the mirror, I go, who am I? It's not who I am. It's who I am in my sin, but it's not who I am and where I'm from. That's the Lord, teach me, teach me, right? And so let the, the way I sing the songs be evident by the way I live my life. Let the way I live my life be evident by the way I sing the songs. Let worship be true, because it's going to be true in the life to come. So are we worshiping with our lives now? Our home is a place of worship. Do we worship the Lord with the way we live our lives, the way we spend our money, our time, our talents? Do we worship the Lord with praise and adoration? And do we treat sin as if it's under the feet of Jesus? We talked about serving, we talked about, sorry, I didn't even get here, but sin's done away with, right? Do we live like that now? Because that's the question. Is sin and the king of this world your kingdom? Is that what you're bowing down to? Look at the church. I can't answer this for you. If someone asks me, how do I know I'm going to heaven? I'm going to tell you it's because of what Jesus has done. But the assurance I have today for me personally is I look at my life and I go, Lord, is my life moving towards a trajectory towards you? And even when it's not God, is there a quickness to repent and a change that's happening? Is there accountability that's happening? Am I pushing into the church and into the body and in these things? Or am I just walking? That's how I tell for me question for you this morning is this sin your master and you keep living according to it and you go and you try to do the right things or be in the right places but then you do whatever you want and you know that answer i don't know that answer you know that answer but if your answer is yes sin's my master let me tell you sin's not the master in the other place so we can stop bowing down to it here we can no matter how hard it is Satan is smart, y'all. Smartphones, it's a gateway for so many for gossip, sexual immorality, lying, idolatry, and we carry it with us everywhere we go. It's, it, it's there. And I'm not anti-technology. I'm just telling you, Satan's smart. And if he can abuse something and teach you to make it your God, he will. Is there sin that you keep bowing down to? Let me just, let me proclaim it over you. If you've called on Jesus, your Savior, you don't have to after today. You don't have to bow down to it. You do not. And just because you bowed down to it this morning, last night, two days ago, let me tell you something. That's because you're in the middle of it. You're not at the end yet. I'm telling you what the end is. Sin is done. It's done. So we can start living like it's done this morning. Why? Because that is where I'm a citizen of. That's home. And I can live and represent home today. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I want to go home. I want to be with you. And yet so many times in my life, the way I live, I don't proclaim that. This morning when I'm with the people of God and, and worship and we're opening your scripture, Lord, it, it convinces me once again that I can't wait to be home. But Lord, when I go and I live this life and I put the Bible on the shelf and, and I'm not around other believers and, and I'm not listening to music that edifies you and I'm not watching things that glorify you, Lord, I'm quickly sucked back into this life and I start living again as if this life is it. And so Lord, help us this morning to repent, 
Lord, those of us who, who know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be a, a day of repentance. If this sermon did not excite us about the life to come, I pray that we would come and repent and pray that you would rekindle in us, Lord. Why? Because you don't want us to be lukewarm. You said be either hot or cold, or I'm going to spew you out of my mouth, Lord. Let us, Lord, this morning be rekindled to be on fire for you. And if there are those here, Lord, that they don't belong to the kingdom of heaven, or they, they know that, they, that, that Jesus is not their Savior. That maybe they prayed a prayer, but God, there has not been a conversion that has changed their life. God, I pray that this morning would be a time that they could come and we could pray and begin to take steps and learn about, your, about, about the Savior who is Christ. And about the home that's being prepared for all those, Lord, who call on your name. God, be with us. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need prayer, I'm here. You can pray with someone else in the room. Uh, you can also come up and kneel and, um, and pray here at the altar. But let's do business with the Lord this morning. You take our lives, flawed yet beautiful. Every heart 
Yeah. 
you can stay standing. Just a quick announcement uh, as we get ready, and then I'll, and I'll pray. Stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can stay standing. Although I'll, I do have a mic, it may take a while. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, I just wanted to let you guys know and encourage you that um, the last time I was up here a couple of weeks ago, we were asking about uh, you know the Light and Moon Christmas offering, asking you about your giving. Um, and also about uh, staff bonuses and things like that that were not budgeted. Last week, Nathan said the same things. I just want to encourage you that the church has just done so amazingly well. Not to give yourself just a pat on the back and say, yeah, I gave this money and, and, it, and I get credit for it. Uh, but, but we want to thank God for how he moves through our body and how, how you're blessing uh, not only our staff, but millions of people, thousands of people, I don't know how many people, uh, through the Light and Moon offering and, and through different things like that. So, so we, thank, we thank you for your obedience uh, in, in, that, in that request, you know, from, from the elders here, but also just through your, really through your obedience uh, to what God has told you to do. And so even as you're maybe dealing with right now, hey, this is what God told me to do today. I'm not even talking about finances. I'm talking about what uh, Jacob Sermon was talking about. As you have a, this clear view of what heaven is and, and what salvation is, um, you know, the most important thing is to pray to God and say, what are you telling me to do right now today? Not, not I need to sell all my things or, or I need to make some decision, some rash decision on my own, but what, God, what are you telling me to do today? And just be obedient to what God is telling you to do today. Verify it through scripture? Absolutely. Pray about it? Absolutely. Check with people uh, in the community, in your Christian community? Uh, no doubt. Do all of those things. Um, but just be obedient. Okay, so let me pray as, as we get ready to leave. Father, we do thank you for that we are a part of a church that listens to you, listens to your spirit. Uh, we are by no means perfect, by no means perfect, far from it. Um, but we thank you that you're moving through our church, um, through financial giving, through serving, through different, different ways, through just ministry here in the community. Uh, continue to show us as this year ends and as the new year is about to begin, uh, where you would have us uh, move as a church, um, as individuals, as families, as, as different parts of the community. Just show us where you're moving in our lives so that way we can join you in your work. Uh, whether that means we, we give more, we do more, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the obedience is, whatever the, the request is, God, that you give us the, uh, the ability to do that. So, so we thank you for what you are doing, and we look forward to what you're about to do. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.